Hey man, good evening, Storyline. How y'all feeling? Good. Good. Let me tell you this. It is so good to be here at Storyline today. And I I was sitting there reflecting on, um, I guess it was well over a year ago when I was invited to a dinner with a couple who was praying through what it would look like to plant a church in St. Louis. And here it is. You guys are getting ready to celebrate one year on next week. I don't want to uh, wait till next week, right? So, Storyline, I need you to do me a favor. Help me celebrate God for your pastor, Pastor Josh. Let's celebrate God for him. <laughs> thankful, for, thankful for Josh and, and his call, him surrendering his life to the call of God here in St. Louis. I'll tell you, you guys have one of the most faithful, one of the most godly men leading y'all and it's great to see what God is doing in his life not only in him but I'm gonna tell you right it's like you got God then like you got Jesus and then right next to that is Cherish right (laughs) so (laughs) so we're thankful thankful for Cherish and 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 just how she supports the call of the Lord on Josh's life and Y'all, I pray for Storyline often. I drink out of your coffee cup at least three or four times a week, right? So, I mean, I'm just in awe of what God is doing, and I'm thankful to be here, y'all. I have an assignment today to preach from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And if y'all don't mind, I love the public reading of Scripture, so I'm going to read these three verses again. If that's all right, I I believe, y'all, that too many preachers treat the word of God like the Star Spangled Banner at a baseball game, right? They read it at the top end. They go through nine innings, sometimes go into overtime, depending on how many preaching minutes they use, but never actually hit the text again. So I want to read this, right? Um, And I'm going to ask you to listen with a different set of ears. Now, I want to warn you about something. Right. Um, My preaching might be a little louder than Josh's. Okay, Um, I might demand that you talk back to me. I'm going to tell you why, because I don't like quiet rooms. Right. I feel like when a room is quiet, cherish people plotting on me. Right. So I don't want nobody plotting on me. Tracy, you got the key. Start the car if it get too quiet. All right. But we're going to I'm going to read this for you um, and then we'll jump right in. Is that all right? All right. Genesis chapter two, beginning at verse one. Here it is. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Um, That is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Y'all bow your heads and let's pray together real quick. Father, we honor you. We bless you, God, that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, God, you chose to die for the ungodly. Father, you choose to fill us with your spirit. You choose to move on our behalf. And for that, God, we just want to say thank you. We pray, God, that as we um, look at these three verses, God, that your voice will be clear, that you will, by the power of your spirit, bring conviction to us, that you will challenge us, that you will change us. 
I pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. This prayer and all of our prayers we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Y'all, looking at Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I would like to tag this text or, or give a topic to this with two words. Take rest. Take rest. I want to remind y'all, I don't like quiet rooms. Uh, There we go. (laughs) So as we look at this, y'all, two words, um, take rest. How much thought um, have you put into Sabbath? How, How much thought have you really put into Sabbath and what it actually means, how to actually practice it, right? Maybe you, like me, you've, you've processed this from a place of, is this even needed? What is all this fuss about? What does the Bible have to say about it? But if you're anything like me, maybe you thought about it, but at one point or another, you tried to be intentional about it, but something always comes up. One of the things that I've learned as of late is that church folk don't have a problem being transparent. Transparency is easy for us because people see what we want them to see. But our issue comes with us being vulnerable. So if you will allow me as we process Sabbath and taking rest, I want to be vulnerable with you today. I'm going to share some of my pains with you um, with the hopes that you won't make the same mistakes that I made as we process and think through what it means to have Sabbath or take rest. A couple months ago, I found myself in a very bad place. I was in a very bad place, so much so I didn't want to share it with anybody. I never told my wife, but she can see it because she studies her man. But I just didn't openly want to share it. All I kept saying is that I just need a week off. But what people didn't know was that I sat in my office a couple of days before that week off and wrote a resignation letter to my church. And had all intentions on submitting this resignation letter as soon as I came back from a week of rest. I knew that I was going to have to get a job. I was like, hey, worst come to worst, at least my family will have insurance, right, if I leave the church. (laughs) My wife and I took a week away, and we spent some time during that week binge watching TV together. I slept in, got some much-needed rest. But I was intentional on the last day or two of our time there to press pause to pray. And as I pressed pause to pray and just spend time with the Lord, I prayed through Colossians 1, Psalms 51, Colossians 3. I prayed through these things and clearly heard the Lord say to me, my commands to you are not burdensome, but it ought to be a privilege for you. But I ended up finding out that um, being a husband became a burden. Being a father became a burden, right? Um, Pastoring or shepherding the flock of God had become a burden to me, and I couldn't understand why. But what I do know is that that time that I spent with the Lord, 
that resignation letter got deleted. And all of a sudden, I fall in love with my wife again. I finally see where I'm failing as a father and realize that I've been shepherding my church from a place of hurt. So as I began to continue to pray and seek the Lord, right, we come back, we at work, I'm firing on all cylinders, right? My long day comes. It's a Wednesday. We're fresh back. Like, I'm out the house by Wednesdays at 7.30. I don't get home till sometimes after 9 o'clock in the evening because it's Bible study. I get home, and all of a sudden, my gas light pops on on my car. And I'm like, you know what? What do I do here? I don't feel like going to get gas. So I did what most of y'all do. I saw how many miles I had to eat to see if I could make it home. 15 miles to eat in a hybrid? Oh yeah, I'll do this tomorrow. (laughs) But what ended up happening is I go home, greet my wife and kids, go to bed, think nothing else about it. Three o'clock in the morning the next day, I'm waking up out of my sleep. All I could think about, it's funny, three o'clock in the morning, very ungodly hour, by the way. (laughs) All I could think about was the fact that my car needed gas and that my car was running on fumes. The Lord used that moment to speak to me to say, You've been treating your spiritual life like you've been treating your car. You're running on fumes. And if you don't take time to fill up, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to ruin your fuel pump. I began to weep and I realized that I was intentional about everything except Sabbath. The main point of this sermon today, looking here at Genesis 2 verses 1 through 3, is that people of God, we must learn to fill up. We must learn to take rest. We must learn to prioritize Jesus. The reality is I was feeling, I was making sure everybody else was full. I was making sure that everybody else had what they needed while neglecting my own time to fill up. We must learn to fill up, take rest, prioritize Jesus. See, intentionality after you have a run-in with the Lord brings a whole new meaning to Sabbath. This word Sabbath really simply means, right, um, to, to, to rest, to, to cease or, or uh, to decease, right? The Sabbath w- was made For man as a day of rest and refreshment for the body and a blessing to the soul. Hear this, church. God loves us so much that he makes. Hear this. Like, like think about it, right? God created a day of Sabbath with us in mind. Think about it, right? God loves us so much that he makes a day for us to rest and refresh our bodies and be a blessing to our soul. But we typically... Don't utilize it because we live in a superhero culture. 
A culture that cannot make it without us. We've created a culture, the church, the leader, the pastor, the genuinely converted, blood-bought believer, the worker has cultivated a culture where the world can't make it without us. A culture that cannot make it without us. We've created a mindset that if we don't do it, it won't get done. Can I just preach to you tonight to let you know that sometimes we just got to let the ball drop? Family, that is so far from the truth. We must make time to rest. We must make time to cease. We must intentionally make time to take advantage of the time to refresh our body and be a blessing to our soul. Think about it. The word of God has a lot to say about Sabbath rest, believe it or not. Uh, come here. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. You know those um, one of the Ten Commandments that we love to quote, that we love to shout about. It's, it, it's funny, right? We quote, thou shall not murder, thou shall not lie, thou shall not commit adultery. But when we get to taking a Sabbath, that's not important to us. Because we just have to have our hands on everything, right? Exodus, right? 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What about Luke 23? The women who had been companions of Jesus from Galilee followed along. They saw the tomb where Jesus' body was placed. Then they went back, hear this, they went back to prepare burial spices and perfumes. Then the text says they rested quietly on the Sabbath as commanded. It's funny, right? What's interesting here, right, is that we'll take folks through church discipline for adultery. We'll say that a pastor or a leader is disqualified, right, for cheating or lying, right? But when, we, but, but when he running the ground working 399 days a year, we say, oh, he's a faithful man to God. No, he's wrecking himself. The church is letting him do it. It's time for us to do what the Lord has commanded us to do. Listen, if you guys don't build time to rest, you're going to hit a wall. It's time to take rest. Family, with all that we have to do, hear my heart tonight. We got to learn to fill up. We got to take rest. We must prioritize Jesus. Our text. Genesis 2 closes the summary of God's creation of the world. And while he later gives a more specific focus of, retell of the retelling of creation, our writer here of Genesis Moses makes it clear what God did when he finished creation. Watch what he says. He says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work. That he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from all his work of creation. It's interesting, right? Because what we do is that whenever so, so many of us, right, we, we have become guilty of becoming workaholics so much so if we sit still, we, 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 we feel like we're being lazy. We sit still, we feel like we're not getting anything done. No, it's okay to sit still, right? Have you ever known of a car to move while it was getting a fill up? No, no, right? It was interesting, right? I was watching on the news uh, a couple months ago, right, about how this car stole gas. 
The car, right, with the pump in there, right, getting the fill up, he begins to turn the car on and began to pull off. But he forgot that he was filling up in the process. What ended up happening is that not only did he ruin his car, but he also ruined the gas pump. Well, I'm filling up. I'm just running to see what the end going to be. You'll never get to the end or you'll get to the end quicker if you run out of gas or if you just try to take things into your own hands. No, you're not being lazy if you pause, right? What we're called to do in the kingdom is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You have to fill up. You got to fill up. You got to learn to fill up. You must learn to take rest. You must prioritize Jesus. The question becomes, why was it? Like, it was interesting. This text is interesting to me because I had to wrap my mind around the fact how God was all-powerful. God is all-knowing. I mean, he created things cherished with just a word. He said it, and that's what it is. If I was at Faith Community, I would say, he said what he said. (laughs) He created with just a word, but you mean to tell me, right, God needed to rest? God, the Father who holds the world in his hands, created with just a word. I'm like, he ain't done nothing but said it, and he needed to rest. (laughs) The question becomes, why? Was it that an all-powerful, all-knowing God, never changing God, need to rest? Hear this. God certainly did not have to rest due to weariness. Rather, he wanted to establish a pattern for our work cycle. He wanted to establish a pattern for us. He only modeled the need for rest. See, I'm going to tell you, he can't rest because I'll just tell you this. I'm so glad that Jesus did not rest because if Jesus would rest, all of us would crash and burn. But because we don't have his capacity, because we don't think like him, right? Because we don't have the strength that he has. He had to show us, listen, there's going to be a time in your life where I'm going to need you to pause and let me place my hands. Let me place my word all over you so that you can prioritize me. He didn't rest because he was weary. He established a pattern for our work cycle. He only modeled the need for rest. Listen, God was not weary. He wasn't overwhelmed. He wasn't frustrated with the work he had done. He established a pattern for us. He was here modeling a need for us to rest. Well, why did God have to model this for us? Why does God have to show us to pause? Why does he have to show us to rest? Why does God have to show us to Sabbath? Because he knew that we wouldn't create a rhythm for it. He knew that we would have a superhero complex that we would try to take his place. He knew that many of us will run out of gas and ride on fumes just like we do our cars. And he knew that we would need to fill up. Truth is, family, there's so much work that needs to be done as followers of Jesus. And hear this. Our work will not be complete until Jesus returns. We live in a lost world that needs to know Jesus. We live in a time where spiritual maturity is at an all time low. And if we don't rest, we're going to flame out. And if genuinely converted, blood-bought believers flame out 
There is no hope for this broken world. Our work will not be complete until Jesus comes. Mark 2.27 makes it plain for us that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, hear this. We must rest. What am I saying here? We must learn to fill up, take a rest, prioritize Jesus. And many of us, honestly, we don't Sabbath because we don't have a framework for it. Mainly because we spent most of our energy trying to balance life and not prioritize I want to tell you something. Balance is a myth. Balance is a myth. Many, many pounds ago, I used to go to the gym. (laughs) Right? And and one of the things that I quickly realized in bench pressing was that I was stronger on my right than I was on my left. So which means that when my left arm would go out, I could still lift with my right because I was stronger, right? And then I remember my coach saying, listen, you got to learn the balance. You got to learn the balance. I said, man, I can't balance. My left arm is shot, but I can keep going with my right. He said, well, listen, maybe you, maybe you don't need to balance. But what you need to do is you need to prioritize your hands on the ball. Because if you prioritize your hands on the bar properly, what you will find is that all the weight will be distributed across the bar easily. And then you will be able to lift not only a little longer, but your arms will be strong enough to lift a little more. What we've been doing is spinning around in circles trying to provide balance, but we don't want to prioritize. We're trying to find a way to do everything we want to do. And then make time for what we need to do. But we throw what we need to do on the end. Right. And then say, you know what? The Lord knows my heart. Don't be fooled by the enemy of this world. He does know your heart. Yes. But he also knows that you're not going to prioritize him. And when you stand at the feet of Jesus and he says, hey, why didn't you why didn't you um, evangelize the lost? Why were you not involved in discipleship relationships? Why didn't you have a devotional life? You can't say, well, Lord, I tried to balance well. Because it's interesting, we shout and always talk about, right, this new sexy term called gospel-centered. It's a sexy term that many of us can't even describe if we try. And if if God was to x-ray our life to see if we're gospel-centered, we would really begin to find out that we are not gospel-centered, we're me-centered. What we've done is that we've created a life where the gospel revolves around us instead of us revolving our lives around the gospel. And it's a problem. Why? Because we don't Sabbath. We don't rest. We haven't created a framework for it. We do what we want when we want to do it and then ask God to bless it. We got to learn to fill up. We got to take rest. We got to prioritize Jesus. Today, y'all, I promise I'm almost done, right? But hear this. I would like to suggest to you today one action that'll help you to not only create a Sabbath, but to honor that Sabbath. Right, if I was at Faith Community, y'all, they'll get excited because I never preach with one point. (laughs) Never. But I got one point. But this one point got three sub points, so hold on. (laughs) One point, one action that will help you to prioritize Sabbath. Here's the point. 
If you want to practice Sabbath, you want to learn the rest, you want to learn how to make things cease, here it is. Make Jesus a priority. We got to make Jesus a priority. Think about your priorities before you came to Christ. Your list for the day probably included things to do with your family, things to do for work, and a few fun things just for yourself. All in all, your life was mostly about what was important to you. But the follower of Jesus, y'all, has a different set of priorities. While many of those other things on the list are still good, what tops that list is being uh, um, pleasing uh, to the Lord. It's pleasing Jesus and doing what's important to him. Jesus himself is the perfect model for us in this. Jesus said, I seek not to please myself. Here's your shout. Here it is. I don't seek to please myself, but, but to seek the one who sent me. Think about it. Even God modeled rest for us. Even God modeled rest, not because he needed to, but, but, but because there are some things that he wants to share with you that you can't hear because your radio too loud. You can't hear it because you TikToking too much. You can't hear it because you're spending so much time on book face. <laughs> but hear this. You must prioritize Jesus. Jesus always had his father's desires as his first priority. Now, just as Jesus made his priorities match his father's priorities, y'all, we're called to do the same thing. Our priorities need to match the priorities of Jesus. Um, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15, he says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I love it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away, and behold, he says, all things are made new. What does it look like for you to redeem your priorities so that you can create a framework in your life for Sabbath rest? No longer, y'all, do we live for ourselves. We live for Jesus. No longer do we live just to please ourselves. We live to please the King Jesus. We must learn to fill up. We must take rest. We must prioritize Jesus. We don't live to please ourselves, right? We live to glorify the Father, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you eat or whatever you drink, you do so to give glory to the Father. Listen, the chief end of man is to give glory to God. And we live in a culture that actually trains us to do the exact opposite. Making statements like, before you love anybody else, you got to love yourself first. Foolishness, right? The word of God doesn't tell us to hate ourselves, no, but the word of God does instruct us to have a proper view of ourselves. And somewhere between Romans 3, that all are sinners, and then one of First or Second Peter, right, where we see we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood created for good works, right? Somewhere in there is us where we must realize that we don't work to please ourselves. We have to stop creating 
creating rhythms where we prioritize ourselves and prioritize Jesus. We have to. We cannot live to please ourselves. We got to prioritize Jesus. Well, the question becomes, how do we prioritize Jesus? You prioritize Jesus by creating a culture of worship in your life. If the only time you worship Jesus is on Sundays, you have a priority problem. If the only time you worship Jesus is at community group, you have a worship problem. Worship must be a priority, right? Jesus said, right, in John 4, talking to the woman that he bumped into at the water cooler at work, right? You read it, like, I promise you to blow your mind, right? Jesus had this conversation, right? He said, but the hour is coming. But the time is here where true worshipers must worship him. How? In spirit and in truth. Now, when you look at the word spirit and in truth from John 4, when he says in spirit, no, he wasn't talking about Holy Spirit in that text. He says, with everything that's within you, you worship. Right? Worship is not what we do on Sundays. Worship ought to be a lifestyle. It ought to be a way of living for the blood bought. He says worship in spirit with everything that's in you. Then he says in truth means according to his word. If, if, if your idea of worship is the worship leader singing your favorite song, you got a worship problem. Right. If, if the only time you lifted your hands in worship and felt worship with the first song that he sang that everybody knew, you got a worship problem. I didn't know the second two songs, but I knew the God of the second two songs. But hear this. Right. We must prioritize worship. How do we prioritize Jesus? By having a life of worship. See, Jesus always exalted the Father as his source of everything good. We even see that in John 17, right? Jesus tells his Father, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Jesus never took credit for the good things in his life. He always not only acknowledged the Father, but he worshipped the Father. How do you prioritize Jesus? Number one, by having a life of worship. Uh, how else do you prioritize Jesus? By having a conversation with him. It's interesting, right? We don't pray. We don't prioritize Jesus because we don't communicate with him, right? When was the last time you prayed without somebody telling you you had to? Prayer is simply communicating with God. Prayer has very little to do with the words that come out of your mouth, but everything to do with the position of your heart. The more and more you spend time with Jesus, the more and more you're going to want to talk to him. Right? It's interesting. Many of us find ourselves in marriage, but we don't communicate with our spouse and wonder why you're on two separate pages. Because there's no communication. You know, if you are married and you don't communicate with your spouse, your spouse isn't a priority for you. Okay, look at it this way then. If you say you belong to Jesus and you don't talk to him, he's not a priority for you. Something interesting happened to me several years ago, right? I had an opportunity, Josh, to preach at a Korean Presbyterian church. I walk in this room. If it was 100 people in the room, it was 99 and a half Koreans and a half American English speaker. That was me. They sung in Korean. I was reading the words in English. It was amazing. We were there for a good hour and a half. I preached. Amen. Amen. They said, all right, Pastor Bird, you can leave now. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm laughing. And the problem is nobody was leaving but me. I said, what are we doing? 
Oh, they say we got about three hours of service left. Three hours? What are y'all going to do? We're just going to pray. I was like, what? They gather to pray for three hours when we can't even pray for 30 minutes. But we say we prioritize Jesus. Prayer, if you want to prioritize Jesus, prayer must be a priority. More than 70 times the Gospels record Jesus either speaking about or modeling prayer. Obedience was even a priority to Jesus. Yeah, worship was a priority. Prayer was a priority. I remember right when Jesus' sermon on the mount, when he was closing his sermon, he, he talks to us about being persistent in prayer. He says, asking it will be given you, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open for whoever asks, seek, whoever asks, receives, whoever seeks, finds, whoever knocks, the door will be open. Maybe that's too many words for you to remember. Okay, I get it. Well, come here, uh, First Thessalonians, right? Pray without ceasing. We got to pray obedience must be your priority okay you need the word all right jesus is a priority for you but you don't want to do what he say stop it luke 6 46 why do you call me lord lord and not do what i say interesting thing is we don't have a problem accepting christ as savior our problem is accepting him as lord why because everybody want to be saved from hell but we want to be saved our way we want to live our own way. So we say we'll prioritize Jesus as Savior, but when we begin to talk about Lord, Pastor, you make it. No, you, you pushing. You pushing it, sir. Think about this. If we want to prioritize Jesus, we got to worship him in spirit and in truth. We got to create rhythms of prayer, y'all. We must be um, um, obedient to him. We must depend on the spirit. We must set and create rhythms, y'all, where we rely on God's word and not our own wit, right? We must learn to fill up, take rest, prioritize Jesus. If we want to create a framework for Sabbath, can I just tell y'all, I ain't like the only reason, right, I'm sharing this is because I was invited. This is also something that I need to learn as well. Okay? If we say, okay, I gotta, uh, I gotta learn to rest. I gotta take rest, right? I gotta uh, prioritize Jesus. Okay, uh, I know how to prioritize Jesus. Thank you, but why do we prioritize Jesus? Think about rest. When you think about rest, you might automatically refer to a three-day weekend, a vacation, or various ways to define rest, right? But what if you do all these things, then you return to your normal daily life and all your stressful situations and circumstances of life come back to the forefront of your mind? The rest you desire has come, but it's gone right away. We prioritize Jesus, hear this, because there's no better place or person to rest in. Because even if you take a vacation to rest and you come back to your regular rhythms of life, when you rest in Jesus, your situation may be the same, but your mindset might be different. We see that in Philippians 4. Whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's praiseworthy, meditate on these things. They say that the best way to a man's heart is through his stomach. My wife got that right. First time she cooked for me, it was a steak and some pasta. Hallelujah. And I remember the flavor of the steak. 
like it was yesterday. And I got her number 17 years ago. I remember the taste of the steak. And I remember talking to her and said, oh, my God, I've never tasted a steak this good. What made this so good? Tell me about it. Right. She couldn't tell me anything because. Right. She could tell me everything. Right. Because she can't tell family secrets. Right. Not in the kitchen. Right. But what she did tell me was that, you know, I knew that I wanted to grill this right. So I seasoned it a day or so before and I sealed it real good to allow the flavor to marinate in the steak so that when I grilled it, not only could I smell it, but when you taste it, it was mouthwatering. Take that same idea and apply it to Philippians 4 when he says, meditate on these things. You may not need what's praiseworthy right now, so you think, but if you meditate on it, if you allow it to marinate, marinate on the goodness of Jesus, marinate on him that he's praiseworthy, let it marinate that he's true, let it marinate that he's faithful, let it marinate that he's a man of joy, let it marinate, right, that he's a savior and king, and then, right, you will find out, right, that, yeah, you want to prioritize him because he is so good. Scripture says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Jesus, you know, Jesus never said, come to me and I'll give you rest and then return back those same burdens that you let go. No, Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, all of you. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, he says, and my burden is light. Can I tell you? Rest is not complete without giving over your thoughts, giving over your emotions and your daily battles to God himself. You must begin to surrender to Jesus. Hear this, as your Sabbath rest. He must be your Sabbath rest, right? First Peter 5 says, so humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all of your worries and your cares to God because he cares for you. Hear this. We must learn to fill up. We got to take a rest. We must prioritize Jesus. Hear this. Our rest must remain in Jesus as we are. Let me tell you. We are his house. Therefore, we must rest in him. We are his house. And as he takes care of his sheep, y'all, we must remain. We must rest in Jesus. If we leave his house and go astray, then we leave the confident hope that we once had. We leave the promised rest with him in eternity. We leave the one who calms all our fears and takes away our everyday burden. We must learn to fill up. We've got to take a rest. We've got to prioritize Jesus. I'm done after this. Hear this. Hebrews 4 drives this point home. Here's what Hebrews 4 says. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, you know there's a responsibility in this for us. Hear this. Let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who had heard it in faith. For we 
who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day. Today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Hear this storyline. God rested when he finished the work of creation. Jesus rested or God's son rested when he completed the work of the new creation. May we enter into his rest by trusting his word and obeying his will, creating rhythms of life where worship is a priority. We can, y'all, let me tell you, we can do it. He would, you know, God would never ask us to do nothing that we couldn't do. We just can't do it on our own. That's why he empowered us with his spirit to be able to trust him, to obey him. Only in this way can we really claim our inheritance in Christ is if we take our rest in him. Hear this. We must learn to fill up. We got to take rest. We got to prioritize Jesus. Ask yourself. Why aren't I taking the Sabbath? If the things that you got your hands on will fall apart without you, it probably means you ain't training up somebody else to come alongside you. Don't be like me. Don't hit a wall. I was this close from crashing. But John 14 became real. The Lord had given me a comforter. I had already jumped out the airplane. But right before I hit the ground, I had a parachute. A Greek word there, parakletos, Holy Spirit. That allowed me not to crash. To be able to realize that I have to prioritize Jesus. I got to take a rest. Jesus is the superhero, not us. And we must allow him to take his place in our life. We got to learn to fill up, take a rest, and prioritize Jesus. Let's pray.